welcome to The Breadwinners. I'm Jennifer Owens. And I'm Rochelle Ellison. So this is the show where we talk about everything, work and family and life and money and I don't know, just whatever the heck we're talking about. <laughs> what are you talking about today? I don't know. I, I'm saying, you know, that uh, at the beginning of the top of every show uh, that um, if you could take a moment to rate and review us, that really helps. And to follow us at our socials, which are mostly breadwinners or breadwinners pod, find us, follow us. We love to hear from you. And we have our merch that you can check out. We have sweatshirts, we have t-shirts, we've got the whole kit and caboodle. So take a look at what we what we have to offer and, and you can be stylish like all your friends. <laughs> all your friends. You know, it's a whole competitive thing. You don't wanna you don't want them to be more stylish than you. Be a breadwinner, man. Wear your breadwinner pride proudly. Exactly. Exactly. So all right. Well, so uh, you know, I'm passing the mic to you. What have you got up your sleeve today? So we are going to talk, we're going to have a convo about the fact, we we talked a little bit in a previous episode about the great resignation. Yes. And the factors behind the great resignation. And right now I want to do kind of a resignation part two. Electric boogaloo. (laughs) Talk about, exactly. And talk about, the experience of women in the Great Resignation, the yeah. role of women in the Great Resignation, the experience of women in the Great Resignation. So just to recap, in September, 4.4 million people left their jobs. Okay. And 4.3 million people did so in August. God, that's a lot of people. I mean, I, I know we all have heard these numbers, but man, that's a lot of people. It's yep. a lot. So... Women are saying I quit more than men. So according to data from a payroll provider, Gusto, in August, the gender gap hit the widest it has been since the firm began tracking in January 2020 with the quit rate 1.1% percentage point higher than men's. And that gap narrowed to one percentage point in September and 0.81 percentage points in October. Hmm. So what does that mean? That means women, the gap was wider and it's slightly gotten less? Well, I think it's not. The slightly is is remarkable, right? Okay. The slightly is a big deal. So basically what we're saying is so that during the pandemic, women have exited the labor force at twice the rate that men have. Hmm. Their participation twice. in the labor force is now the lowest it's been in more than 30 years. Really? One third of all mothers in the workforce have scaled back or left their jobs since March 2020. Wow. I mean, so 30 years, that's 1990. So that's basically me coming out of the, uh, uh, out into college. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, where are all the women? So, huh. And do we know why in the, because so in the, so, um, you know, I'm doing my uh, back in time, we've had the influx of women in the late 70s, 80s, and then the 90s. Why? I'm just trying to get in my head what the trend is, but then basically more women, more women, more women in the workforce. Yep. And now it's like a, like the shark closing, you know, chomp. 
right now with the pandemic. Okay, I think I've got it in my head. So one of the things to keep in mind is that in a normal, so this is this big economic shift that was driven by the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So how, so when we think about what typically happens, so when we think about the 2008 recession and a normal recession, it's men who tend to lose jobs first. So this is different than the resignation because men work in more cyclical, cyclical industries where when the economy goes down, we we stop manufacturing know, things or right, right, yada yada yada. So the last recession hit workers in construction workers early on, financial services early on, more male dominated industries. You're not buying new homes, so you're not building new homes. Got it. Exactly. So the things that caused recessions in the past. That's kind of led us to, again, see men lose their jobs first, but we're seeing a different trend right now. We're seeing that, you know, people are attributed to many different factors. One of them is childcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Taking on more responsibilities at home and at work, not receiving adequate support from employers. Lack of actual like paid childcare. Yeah. Yeah. That industry got like pummeled by the pandemic. I am. Yeah. No, it got it did get pummeled by the pandemic. I was um, some folks I know. I won't name them by name, but they have two little ones who are going into daycare and they're looking at like. Oh, no. Guess. I mean, a million years ago, it was like 10,000 a year. For pre-K, it was like twelve hundred a month for yeah childcare. They're looking at something like seventy k a year. Oh, (laughs) oh my lord, seventy. Okay, so can we say that that is the all-in number for attending my daughter to university? That's tuition, room and board. Wow, books. And they they do a new thing where they'll tell you what they estimate your travel back and forth. So her coming back and forth to New York. Yeah, they estimate a year of all in is $70,000 a year for universities. So I'm here to tell you right now. Wow. Early childcare is as expensive as college tuition. And we got financial aid that helped with that. Wow. Yeah, it's it's crazy times. So we've got... The childcare expenses, the childcare complications, right? Yeah. Oh my God. The in the out of like, especially at the end of last school year, it's a little more stabilized now, but oh my Lord, they just pulled my son in for an all remote day, which is just like, uh. oh no. But the like, yeah, we're going in school. No, we're not in school anymore. Now we're, you know, like that. How do you deal with childcare when you have little ones? Right. No, exactly. And that's why there are some folks who think, you know, with when September came along, that's why we're seeing those big numbers in September. Ah, uh, yep. Right. So that that's one piece. But it's not just what we're experiencing on the outside in our home life that's driving us out, but it's also how employers have been approaching work life and work culture and workload during the pandemic, 
which is so interesting to me because, you know, we have seen a rise in, we know that folks are burnt out. Right. A lot of folks are talking about how workplaces are, you know, while we've had this rise in flexible work and we've got, we, we see people's home lives and their cats and their dogs and their kids. We're and more authentic. We have to be. On right. Zoom. Yep. We're still seeing this kind of lack of sensitivity on, be, on the employer's part to what folks are dealing with. So Marianne Cooper, our friend. Friend of the um, pod. Yes. <laughs> uh, who is on the pod at Stanford said the value has to be on how we organize work so that people feel they're being treated in a supportive and humane way that fits their needs, as opposed to the way we always organized work, which we know doesn't work for most people, FaceTime unmanageable workloads. So FaceTime is one thing. FaceTime, I think now is FaceTime Zoom time. Yeah. Right. Having to be kind of on camera. Oh, all the, the time. check-ins and the, yeah, the, the check-ins, which I have experienced, which are basically just let me run down my calendar, have 20 people on a call every morning, say they're busy, which only promotes busy talk. You know, look how busy we are. So, okay. Then you've proven yourself. Right. It's not conducive to anything. It, it's my feeling about stuff like that. It, I think it's a bad take on team, supporting your team. Yeah. No, it is. And I think we're seeing it as there's sort of a lack of inclusivity that we're seeing from the workplace, which is another piece. Hmm. So when Marianne talks about the realities of of the workforce now, she's kind of saying what's inclusive and what's not inclusive of people's circumstances outside of work. Oh, how so? Well, there's a couple different kind of aspects to it, but Deloitte is talking about it a little bit. It's kind of like, are we seeing everything that workers are experiencing outside the workforce and kind of attending to that? Huh. And now, are you talking about like societal pressures? Because I know she she was talking on our show about yeah. the invisible work that we, I, I love that diversity inclusion work, like supporting people through terrible crises that have come to the fore these past two years, that women have played that role, not only not acknowledged, but kind of looked down upon that they're doing the work that holds us all together. Is that what, what you're talking about here? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about here. No, exactly. And then there's DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues that are coming up. You know, so we're talking about women who are feeling pushed aside and not included and, and overlooked and overworked and burnt out. Is it Sisyphus that pushes the rock up the hill? It is have, yeah. Sisyphus. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yes. But... But we're, when we look at, so the, the McKinsey work, Women in the Workplace report found that women of color are still experiencing the same microaggressions as they, as, about as often as they were pre-pandemic. Awesome. 18% of Black women, 13% of Latinas, and 11% of Asian women say they hear surprise at their language skills or other abilities at work compared with just 5% of white women. You know... All of this stuff. Do you, do you remember? 
back in the day when we when this was all taking place and we were all realizing as a society that no not all of us want to work from home and not all of us want to work from home full time every day all day with our kids homeschooling next to us but there we were learning lessons that things could happen that way and we could still be productive and we could keep the economy going and we could support our families that maybe there'd be some lessons learned and we seem to be dumping every lesson <laughs> at the door. We do seem to be dumping every lesson. You know, I'm like my son dumping his backpack when he comes in the door, you know, like, oh, good. The pandemic's done. We're out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, I was reading one article and it was like, now that the Delta variant is obviously written a few months ago. Yeah. But now that the Delta variant is, is you know, is easing up, we're seeing an increase in, and, and I was like, little did you know, there's a fun, um, is it a YouTube or, or a TikTok or, oh my God, I'm so old. I don't I know. know. I think it's a YouTube is a woman who, who has continuously, and I haven't seen it recently and we can post the link in the episode. Yeah. Episode description. But there's a woman who just keeps talking to herself from the future. Yes. So she just keeps doing like us, like she keep, like she'll keep talking. She sits down with herself and, you know, one version of her is saying like, cool, well, we've got, we must've made it through the worst of it. Right. <laughs> and then there, she's like, do you really want to know? Do you wanna- uh, And then it just keeps going back and forth. I don't know how, I don't know if she's doing it with the Omicron variant, but. She's been doing it all along and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty hilarious, but yeah. But like, these are the things, weren't we talking about this a year ago with women leaving the workplace because leaving the labor force, because it was just all too freaking much. How are we a year later and we still haven't figured it out? No, we still haven't figured it out. We still haven't figured it out. And I think you know, not so not only, but just to circle back to the DEI issues that we were just talking about, we're talking about, so for white women, there's all of that, all of those factors. And then you've got women of color who are saying like, on top of that, yeah, uh, like watch how you're acting. <laughs> like this is, this is, you know, we've got this long overdue racial reckoning in this country. In the wake of that, we've seen organizations double down on their DEI issues. But even with this heightened commitment to racial equity, women of color's experiences have not improved. So (laughs) just there you go. Like what more do you need to know that you need to get this stuff under control? You know, you need to, to acknowledge it and you need to also see yourself in it. And these conversations and the role that you play. You know, um, uh, I was reading um, Roxane Gay, the author and and awesome, overall awesome lady. Uh, She writes a column. I think it's called Your Work Friend in the New York Times. And someone wrote a question. It was like, you know, my workplace basically sucks and has very few people of color and we have this wonderful candidate and she's coming in and I'm not sure how to kind of like wink wink this place does suck but we really want to have you what should we do and Gay's <laughs> response is like well a kind of and I'm paraphrasing here you need to get your shit together right, right. 
And also as part of like, everyone deserves to have a workplace where they feel respected and that they are included, like authentically included. And then the last line was along the lines of like, and you need to take a moment with yourself. You know, like, who are you to say to this woman, you can't handle it? She says, I bet you this woman's seen worse. That sucks. But you know that she has. And two, what are you doing to make this workplace better? What are you doing as the individual? What role can you play and are you playing? And I like, you know, like, come on, get it together. Get it together. No, for sure. We are not getting it together. And women, like, how many women can leave the labor force? Like, are, are we at the bottom yet? You know, what will that take? Are we, I, I can't answer that question. My research doesn't, so what would the bottom be to women yeah, leaving? Yeah, like, you know, like, because every 4 million, another 4 million, like, is there, how much slack is there in women in the, in the labor force leaving? That's a great question. That's a great question. So there's a great article, an interview with, Betsy Stevenson, who's a professor of public policy and economics yes. at the University of Michigan, who talks about whose work focuses on economic issues facing women in the workforce. And she she talks a lot about it. I think she's a person to follow talking about kind of what she has a great conversation in The New Yorker talking about She's where I got the information about recessions usually causing greater unemployment rates among men, although that was relatively intuitive. But talking about, she talks about the economic and societal toll of of inadequate childcare and what the past six months should teach us about family leave in that article. So it's a great one. We'll post it in the bio. But she might be the person to ask to let us know. Is there a bottom? Is there a bottom? Is there a bottom? And I think. I think the question that I'm seeing, so when, when I went through the, the research and what folks are talking about, like Deloitte has a report on this, and they're, you know, they're trying to point to what could be done to curb this so we don't reach the bottom. Right. Like, why? Right? We don't really need to know what the bottom is. <laughs> no, <know>? right. <laughs> I, think, um, I think that we don't. Yeah. And we can... We can think about how employers need to shift, how public policy needs to shift, you know, but it feels like, it feels like we've just, like, we're just up against, up against a wall. Well, and we don't, do we care about the wall as a society? I I saw um, Anne Helen Peterson has her new book out about, you know, basically taking some time not to work. I think it's called Out of Office. And one of her points uh, she was making in an essay kind of talking about the book coming out was that we idolize parents, but we don't support parenting. And she had a bunch of these, but it's so freaking true. Like we love, you know, yeah, to be a mother is the most rewarding thing in the world. Yeah, we're not going to support you in any way to actually support that child or or do the like, you know, we're going to make it super freaking hard. If you're going to try to breastfeed, we're going to tell you need to breastfeed, but we're not going to allow you any breastfeeding breaks that, you know, don't get paid for, or we don't, you know, can you tell that I'm, I'm researching our next topic, but, or that we would offer 
quality, affordable childcare, or that we would pay teachers salary and not make them have to buy their own supplies for classrooms. But oh my Lord, being a mom is the most rewarding thing on earth. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so true. So yeah. And so, uh, you know, in days past when, when women left the workforce in the world of that I dealt with where, which uh, a working mother, which was professional women, I have a baby. And within like two years, they leave the workforce because they can't make it all, all the pieces fit together. Right. One of the things that the, one of the common stats, and this is an interesting stat for us to look into is that, what is it like if like five years later, if you try to come back in, your salary is like 20% less. Like it's very hard to get back in. You can, you can come back into the labor force, but your, your salary is going to be less. You'll probably come in at a lower level. You know, you've kind of, you've essentially made a decision to downgrade your career before you can try to rev it up again. And I actually am not sure where any of those stats come from, but that's the accepted principle. And so I'm wondering with the 8 million women who left in August and September, Mm -hmm. when will they come back? Will they come back? How do they come back? That is a great question. And I feel like that's a big, that's the big question. And I I think society needs to be ready for them, right? See, like if we couldn't have done it on them exiting, can we do something to bring them back when they're ready? Yeah. You know, I think when you read, I'll be honest, when you read some of these columns that are talking about, okay, what do employers need to do? It's kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> like nothing in there is like groundbreaking that yeah. I'm seeing, right? It's like, we've got to change the culture. We've got to... Yeah. We've got to acknowledge that people are complex. There is no ideal worker. There never was. But the the ideal worker trope was fueled by having an unpaid worker at home running the family. So you never had to deal with any of their family issues. That probably never really existed. That existed for a very small, tiny group of people for a short amount of time. But now that said, I've seen the great, what are we calling this? The great resignation. Resignation. I'm sorry, but it totally went out of my head. That it's that some are calling it the the great reallocation because I guess acknowledging that some people are switching jobs, like this job doesn't work for me, or this life doesn't work for me, and so I'm going to find something new. And I am here to tell you, it is a hot job market right now, and yeah. I never think these things last, but it's right now, and so is. There is some power, power to the people because for some reason people need to hire and we're a hot commodity, us right. employees for a hot minute. I can we do we but we're not the you know, the power of unions is has been so weakened. I don't know if we can collect can we all like have a secret meeting over here and uh, make <laughs> make our demands known as a society of employees? Can we? That's a good <laughs> Let's all gather over on the breadwinner's socials and we'll just, we'll, no, no one will see us. We'll just make our demands over there. Affordable childcare, flexible work, paid time off, including paid sick time. You know, the basics. The basics. And pay equity. These are pay all Pay equity need. would be good. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. Well, so do any of the stats show the idea that 
there is any change coming that like maybe not that we're hitting bottom on how many women can leave but there's any sort of slowdown on women leaving like how much are we gunning the engine with women leaving the economy still that is interesting so we think we'll have to see what the stats are in we like most of the articles on this come out kind of in late fall early like early now, winter yeah. that I've seen. So without looking into the numbers, I think we may be slowing down a bit, but it's hard to say. I think we need to revisit this in the new year and see. Because this is seasonal, this- right? I mean, there's a seasonality to hiring and whatnot too. So it's, it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And we've also got math really well so have to get involved. <laughs> we've got a variant that's rampant. So that's kind of factoring into right. So it's oh, hard if to- schools close again, or if, or you know, or go remote, or anything like that, we we just don't know. Right, right. Oh my lord! Nope. Well, that's a downer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! You know, I my hope, if I may, my hope for these women, um, as someone who has been in jobs, out of jobs, I've been laid off, I've had to lay off people. I've, the hustle helps. There's always, if you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? You know, mm-hmm. like choices are tough and I don't know, we hustle, we support each other, we find other women, you know, like my pod wife, Raquel, who helps me you talk it through and figure it out. And and then we just keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. You know, I think I, I don't want to end with a more downer note, but there was a great. <laughs> I was trying to be positive here. <laughs> no, you were trying to be positive. There's a great quote. We'll, we'll link to the um, McKinsey Women in the Workplace yeah. article that quotes that has some experiences from you know, in some accounts from women who have either considered leaving or left and kind of what their, what their accounts are of what this year has been like for them. But I agree with you. We do have, we do have our networks. We have our supporters. We have our mentors. There's many ways in which, you know, we've got our hustle. Yep. I don't know. And, I'm, I'm and there sorry. are more I ways to make money. The positive. Yeah. There's more ways to make money now. I, especially as we get older. It seems weird, but a friend of mine always says, um, it's just money. I can I can make more. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's she's younger, you know, she she's bolder than I am. I, I have come from a world of scarcity, gen gen X all the way. But I do like that idea of like, all right, if this path is blocked, I'm gonna go this way. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I like it. So yeah. let's clear out all the blocks, man. Yeah. We're going to make it happen. This is the beginning. We're in the first quarter of 2022 and we're going to just we're just going to keep making it happen because it's the yeah. hustle. Making it happen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So, well, thank you, Raquel. Thank you. Thank you and um Thanks, all of our Breadwinners listeners. And keep hustling. Keep hustling.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.